Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Lord Peter Whimsey, episode titled Clouds of Witness, where Lord Peter's eldest brother stands accused of murder. In collaboration with Inspector Parker, Whimsy slowly uncovers a web of lies and deceit within his own family. This will be an eight-part series. So sit back and relax and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. Peter Whimsey. Starring Ian Carmichael as Lord Peter and Peter Jones as Bunter. Clouds of Witness by Dorothy L. Sayers, adapted in eight episodes by Peter Jones and Tanya Leven. Episode 2, Mudstains and Bloodstains. Lord Peter Wimsey's brother, the Duke of Denver, stands accused of murder following the death by shooting of Captain Dennis Cathcart, Lady Mary Wimsey's fiancé. Lord Peter has rushed over from Paris to join the family, the house guests, and his friend Inspector Parker at Riddlesdale Lodge in Yorkshire, the scene of the crime. Frankly, I think you mucked it up between you. The coroner took an awful lot of liberties. I'm afraid that was partly my fault. Well, how's that, Charles? Well, the local inspector resented the superintendent getting in touch with the yard over his head. Ah. By the time I turned up on Friday, the inspector and the coroner were already as thick as thieves, fixed the inquest for that morning, produced their blessed evidence as dramatically as possible, all before I could do a thing. Oh, irritating. But the worst aspect of it was the way they trapped around that garden and destroyed most of the evidence. Well, what about the medical evidence? They couldn't spoil that, I take it. Oh, uh, it was all right as far as it went. Cathcart was shot through the lungs. And he didn't shoot himself. You sound pretty sure about that, Freddy. I didn't say anything at the inquest because I didn't want to upset old Denver's story, but between you and me, all that stuff about Cathcart being upset and go to blazes in his manner was all my whiskers. How do you know that? Why, my dear man, Cathcart and I toddle up to bed together, and I was feeling fed up, having dropped a lot on some mining shares, besides missing everything I'd shot at in the morning... I said something to Cathcart about the world being a damn fool place. Mm, I can see him now. He stopped on his tracks on the stairs. Actually, he said, it's a damn good place and I'm going to ask Mary to fix the date of the wedding tomorrow. And then we'll go and live in Paris, where they understand. Understand what? Well, he actually mentioned the word. What word? Sex. (laughs) Then he marched off to bed. Whistling. Uh, Embarrassed, most likely. Not a bit of it. Cocky. Uh, Brought up abroad in the county with a fellow's temperament. Well, here's hoping that you and Mr. Parker will find out something about it. We can't have old Denver cooped up in prison with the birds so good this year. I expect you'll want to make a tour of inspection, Mr. Parker. Billiards, Freddy? I'm not on form, Pettigrew Robinson. I'll give you a hundred. Done. See you later, Peter. Yes, to Lord. I've been thoroughly thrashed for my generosity. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you came, Charles. Ah, thanks, Peter. Well, where do we start? Well, assuming that Cathcart was in a happy frame of mind when he went to bed, mm-hmm. I think we should start in his bedroom. Oh, right. 
It's only fair to tell you, old lad, that I'm setting off with the assumption that my brother didn't do it. I'm sure he didn't. No, 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 no. Now, look here. It's your job to pour cold water and to doubt all my conclusions. <laughs> I'll do my best. Here we are. Uh-huh. Ah, a trifle spartan. Everything's just as it was. Craig's had that much sense. According to your brother, Peter, when he charged Cathcart with cheating at cards, he jumped up, nearly knocking the table over, and that would be the table there. Yes. So Cathcart was sitting here. He pushed the chair back violently and rumpled a carpet. Yes, here we are. So what was he doing? It wasn't reading. There's no book about writing, do you think? No, nothing here but a virgin sheet of blotting paper. He might have written in pencil. Yes, true, well, Kiljoy, so he might. Well, if he did, he shoved the paper into his pocket when Gerald came in because it ain't here. But he didn't do that because it wasn't found on his body, so he wasn't writing. Of course, he might have thrown the paper somewhere outside. I haven't been all over the grounds. How long was he down there? Well, if we accept the gamekeeper's evidence that the shot he heard was the shot at 11.50, well, then Cathcart had an hour and a half to dispose of any note he might have been writing. Very well. Let's say that there is nothing to show he was writing. Mm. Will that do? <laughs> right, now then. Cathcart sat here in a brown study. Ah, so your brother said. Now, don't overdo it, Charles. <laughs> Let's have a look at the dressing table. Yes, a nice tortoiseshell toilet set. Mm. Scent is baissé du soir. Mm, I say very fetching. New to me. I must draw Bunter's attention to it. Manicure set, too. Oh, he's a meticulous sort of chap. You know, I never quite understood Mary taking up with him. Then I never quite understood Mary. You remember, she got caught up with some pacifist waller. Right, a deuce to irritate him. Particularly with the war on. Let her down badly. Presumably, her taste in men underwent a change. What about his papers? No, not much here. Mm-hmm. I think all his important papers are in Paris. He has a flat there. Now, didn't he have a place in London? Yes, uh-huh. room in Albany. I've telephoned them to lock it until we get there. No letters? No, not a line. Built-in instinct for self-preservation. Books. Let's have a look. South Wind. (laughs) Our young friend works out very true to type. (laughs) Manon Lescaux. Anything else I ought to look at? I don't think so. I've gone through everything. Uh, Where then? Well, let's go downstairs. Tell me, who occupies the other rooms? Well, that's uh, your brother's bedroom, cleaned and dusted and generally ruined for the purposes of investigation. And when the Duchess arrived, I couldn't very well keep her out of her own no, bedroom. No, no, of course not. I wonder where he put that letter from Freeborn. Oh, no one's got a word out of him about that. Stands to reason, having accused Cathcart of being a rascal, he'd have held on to the evidence. Uh, unless, of course, the letter referred to some entanglement your brother had had... Uh, Years ago, something he'd prefer the Duchess not to... I say, now, that's an idea. Mm. Yeah, there were occasions, uh, (laughs) mild ones, I grant you, but Helen would make the most of them. Still, when it comes to the gallows... Do you think he realises, imaginatively, that it's possible to hang an English peer for murder on circumstantial evidence? Imagination ain't Gerald's strong point. I suppose they do hang peers. I mean, they can't be hidden on Tower Hill or anything. Well, they hanged the Earl of Ferrers in 1760, yeah. and he was dissected and anatomised afterwards, but that part of the treatment's obsolete. <laughs> well, we'll tell Gerald about it and perhaps persuade him to take the matter seriously. Mm. 
Do you know what he wore on Wednesday night? He had heavy boots, uh, but he had them cleaned, and he wore leggings as well. Rather an elaborate precaution for a stroll in the garden, was Yeah. Uh, this is the way, through the conservatory. Mm -hmm. The flowers look healthy enough. Gardener been into water? Yes, Peter, but I think he kept on the mats. I gave him strict instructions. Oh, here you are now. I've managed to identify most of the footmarks. Uh, now, these are the Dukes. Yes. You see the gravel's discoloured? Blood, eh? Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Now, here, he trips over the body, and here's where he kneeled. There's two knee marks. Yeah. And then he went up to the house. He left fairly good impressions in black mud just inside the door. Well, that supports old Gerald's story so far. Now, this. This one I take to be Lady Mary's. Uh, very probably, Strong walking shoes. Yep, and here they are again, mm -hmm. going back to the conservatory. Yes, well, they're clear enough. Hello. Who put what down here? Where? Between the cacti. Is it a footprint? Well, we're in trouble if it is. Huh? Why? Because it's damn near a yard long. Is it a bar or something like that? My private opinion is that it was a suitcase. Well, why a suitcase? Why, indeed. But it is just possible somebody might have shoved it here if they were caught with it, say, at three o'clock in the morning and didn't want to be seen. Hmm. And when would they have taken it away? Almost immediately. Or even the Neanderthal cricks could hardly have failed to notice it. You think someone tried to hide it temporarily? Yes. Gerald or Cathcart? Or possibly Mary. What about a person unknown? Who's he? Uh, come out here. Mm -hmm. I've been waiting to show you these footprints. I've preserved them under this coconut matting. Ah, uh, uh, what do you think of those? Oh, well done, Charles. They belong to nobody, to nobody I've seen or heard of. Hooray! Then downward from the steep hill's edge they tracked the footmarks small. Only they're largish. Boot size number ten, I'd say. I traced the same footprints into the shrubbery and to where they came out into the wood. Good, good, good. But at the moment I'm more interested in where they came from. Out here the gravel's too hard to show anything. Well, there's a lot of blood and traces of dragging. Mm, pebbles displaced and blood smears. Why did the person unknown insist on dragging a corpse that wasn't quite dead towards the house? I don't know. Well, that's what he did. Now, give me a hand with this to Uh-huh. This is where they found the handkerchief and the revolver. The rain's messed it all up. Yeah, blood's still visible. Yes, a lot of it, too. Well, let's get down and look at it with the aid of my glass, shall we? Yes. Yes, Cathcart presumably paced up and down... May have been waiting for somebody. Hmm? Ah, here's that number ten boot again. But no sign of a struggle. Now, why did he stand still and wait to be shot at? Well, if he had an appointment with uh, number ten boots, it was someone who could get close to him without arousing any suspicion. Hmm. So the interview was a friendly one on Cathcart's side, anyhow. Hmm. What about the revolver? Now, how did number ten get hold of Gerald's revolver? Conservatory door was open. Look, if somebody came here with the idea of doing old Cathcart in, why didn't he bring a weapon with him? 
Why rely on getting one out of the house? It does seem more probable that Cathcart brought the revolver and shot himself. Then why did Number 10 drag him into a conspicuous position and then run away? Look, wait a minute, Peter. Suppose we begin by tracing where Number 10 came from. Hello, hello, hello. Look, uh, something here. By Jove, here is real treasure trove. Where? You see? Sitting under this leaf as though it were waiting for us. Oh, it's a brooch, isn't it? No, 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 it hasn't got a clasp. No, it's one of those charms girls hang on bracelets. It's a lucky pussycat. <laughs> lucky for who? That is for us to find out, Charles. Those emerald eyes look quite genuine. Yeah, they are. And the rest of the stones are diamonds. It's valuable, then. They're not cheap. Of course, we don't know that the cat's the criminal's property. It may belong to a member of your own family or the last tenant, yeah, even. Well, I lost the family. And in the village, too. Now, their pack of stones, all right. This ain't the sort of article anybody would lose without making a bit of a fuss about it. Oh, this broken branch looks like number ten again. Yes. Yeah, I've lost him again. Uh, it's all right, I've got him. Look, he grabbed that branch to steady himself and he tripped over this root. Right. <laughs> Serves him right, too. Hello, and there are the palings. Yep, this is where he had to climb into the park. Yes, here we are. Well, give me a hand up, I'll tell you. Huh? Your back would be better. Bend down. All right. That's the idea. That's it. Not, hurt. not hurting you, am I? No, uh, not much. Uh, he tore his coat on the way over. There's a thread of Burberry left here to prove it. And there is a deep, damp ditch on the other side, which I shall now proceed to fall into. Oh. All right. Yes, perfect landing. Why don't you come over? Because I'm not so constructed that I can bend over and climb onto my own back. There's a gate a few yards down to the right. That's the gamekeeper's lodge. Yeah, well, nip round there and join me in this fascinating ditch. There's somebody at the door. You might ask them if they saw anyone on Wednesday night. All right. But be careful. Don't go and break a leg. Ah, oh, this is Hardraw, isn't it? Uh, hi. Morning, sir. Good morning. We're just having a look round for anything which might help to solve the mystery of Wednesday night. My husband's at church. Ah. Well, um, did you find any signs of poachers on Wednesday night? No, sir. Not so much as a dead rabbit. <laughs> any suspicious characters hanging about? Nay. Well, as keeps a look out for tramps and such as it be such a lonely place. <sighs> but uh, Wednesday... I saw none but a young man with motorbike and sidecar. Yeah. What time was that? Oh, I reckon it was about noon. He said he had a puncture and asked for a bucket of water. Did he say where he was going? Aye, uh, Cumberland. Uh, how long was he here? Oh, half an hour. Then I, I watched him trying to get his machine started and I'll pop it in towards King's Fenton. Yeah. What sort of a man was he? Oh, don't rightly know. Well, I mean, was he young? Oh, wasn't old. Tall? No, I wouldn't say as how he was tall. Uh, short, then? No, no, wasn't short. Medium height? I never noticed how medium he was. What was he wearing? Raincoat. Ah, uh, with a belt? I don't remember no belt. Uh -huh, no belt. Uh, but I wouldn't swear he didn't have one. I see. Uh, possibly wearing a raincoat with... Or without a belt? Aye, that'd be more like it. With or without a belt. Oh. One last question, Mrs Hardra. Was he uh, a gentleman? Oh, well, not quite, quite. Uh. 
Come on, Charles, don't take all day. Is that his lordship in ditch? Uh, yes, yes, I'd, I'd better go and give him a hand. <laughs> Thank you very much. Excuse me. Right. Come on, Charles, this really is the most beautiful ditch. Coming! From such a ditch as this, when the soft wind did gently kiss the trees, and they did make no noise. From such a ditch our friend, we think, mounted the Trojan walls, and wiped his souls upon the greasy mud. Yeah, there you are, Charles. Say, just look at my bags. Yes, but look at the wall. Number ten must have been a very tall man. Yes, I know. No end of a climb from this side. Suppose he might have had a friend. Give him a hand or a, a back. Ah, uh, hmm? only one set of footprints. Yes. So, we know he went in. And since he ain't in there still, we can assume that he came out again. But somewhere else. True. So let's walk around the perimeter and see if we can find the spot he exited from. Right. While we do that, I can tell you what I gleaned from Mrs. Hardwall. Leonard. Gamekeeper's wife. She told me that on Wednesday, a man with a motorbike and a sidecar... Well done, Charles. Here are the tracks of the motorcycle. Good. Heaven. Look, they come right off the road, and then they go back onto the road again down... Can you see what I see? Charles! It looks like a raincoat belt. A Burberry. So he had an idea where the motorcycle was and made a beeline for it when he needed to get away in a hurry. Yes! I think we've done quite well. Yes. Yes, things begin to look a lot more comfortable for old Jerry. I wonder what damn silly fool invented Sunday afternoon. Now, don't you start grumbling, Freddy. Think how dull old Jerry must feel in Clink. Mm, probably playing draughts with the warder. Where's your policeman friend, Peter? Going back to London. I never heard him go. Mm. Why don't you take Pettigrew Robinson down to the billiard room? I can't wake him up. Pettigrew Robinson, pass the chocolate biscuits. Oh, you are. Out again like a light. Fantastic gift, that. Where would you go in this place, Freddy, if you wanted to write a letter? I no idea. Never write them. Encourages people to write back. Before you know where you are, you're in correspondence. Where did Gerald write his letters? Well, in here, I think. Uh-huh. And I saw Pettigrew Robinson writing a letter the other day. Weren't you, Pettigrew Robinson? Yes. You see that? He's passing the chocolate biscuits again. <laughs> well, don't disturb him. You were quite right, you know. Yes, he did write a letter at this table. Are you sure? See this blotting paper? There you are. There's Jerry's yeah. signature. Also, a big sprawl in hand which I would judge to be feminine. What are you going to do with it? Hmm? Uh, no plans, actually. I'll just pop it into my pocketbook and forget it. I think I'll drop Jerry a line. Might cheer the old blighter up. Yeah. Yeah, we'll give him my kindest. Uh, any message, Pettigrew Robinson? Oh, I don't know how you spell that. <laughs> Tea so early. Oh, I hope you don't mind, Helen, only I felt a bit peckish. Have a chocolate biscuit. Ring for Fleming, Peter. Oh, yes, sorry, old thing. Just writing a few lines to cheer your loving husband. Any messages? I have already written, thank you, Peter. Have you had tea? Uh, no, not yet. Waiting for you, actually, Helen. It's stone cold. Fresh tea, Fleming. 
Very good, Your Grace. Uh, look, half a jiff, Fleming. I'd like to see a copy of the local paper, please. They don't give a very good report of the inquest, my lord. The uh, front page features the discovery of an old motorbike in a duck pond. Motorbike, did you say? With a sidecar? Oh, why, yes, I believe it had a sidecar, my lord. Send Bunter to me, would you, and ask him to bring the newspaper along. That's good, Fleming. Very good, my lord. Oh, and order a car for me, too, would you please? Yes, my lord. And the tea, Fleming. Your Grace. Mary coming down to join us? No. I'm worried. She seems to be giving way to her nerves. It's so unlike her. She's usually so plucky. But she won't let anyone come near her. I've sent for Dr. Thorpe again. You sent for me, Your Lordship? Uh, yes, Bunter. Um, would you excuse me, Helen? Oh, certainly. Who got the paper? Here it is, on the front page. Ah, yes. Aha! A Douglas motorcycle with sidecar. Submerged for several days. No number plate. Bunter, I am going into Ripley. Does your lordship require me? No, thank you, Bunter, no. But who's been lady's maid in my sister? Ellen, my lord, the housemaid. Then I wish you to exercise your powers of conversation on Ellen. Very good, my lord. Oh, I've ever such a lot of work to do, Mr Bunter. I must try and clean this skirt for her ladyship. Benzene? Yeah, can't you smell it? Would you mind not applying it for a moment? But I want to get the stain off the skirt. Of course, but leave it there for a moment. That skirt has a story to tell. Get away! Oh, yes, to the analytical mind, it has a lot to say. This stain here on the hem might point to a person's guilt. No. But on examination, his lordship and I might jointly establish that it is merely the blood of a shot rabbit and therefore the suspect is innocent. Yes, well, you'd be wrong there, Mr Bunter. Mm -hmm. It's the blood of a bird. Indeed. Then I think I'll snip a tiny bit of the material off just here and add it to my collection. What species of bird, I wonder? Oh, pheasant, I reckon. Mm. Is it all right for me to clean the stain off now? Carry on. Lady Mary is lucky to have someone like you to take such care of her. I wish she mm. thought so. You've never heard such a show of hysterics as when I went into her room to get her clothes. But I suppose you made allowances for her being in a state of shock. State of shock? Oh, I suppose it's very nice to be a ladyship and have your temper called a state of shock. I'd be ashamed to carry on, so... Mind you, and... You mustn't let this go any further. Of course not. I suppose it doesn't matter now, since the captain's dead. What is it that doesn't matter? She didn't appreciate him. I said so to Cook at the time. I think she wanted to get married, to get away from home as much as anything. I mean, she never could get on with his grace. Quarrelled a lot, did they? He didn't like the sort of people she took up with. Mm. She had a wild time during the war nursing officers. <laughs> Cook said she had some sort of love affair with a Russian. Military man? Well, not according to Cook. A political person to do with bombs. Wanted to blow us all up and make us into slaves. And what happened to him? Well, his grace made a fuss and stopped supplies, so she had to come home then. And ever since she's been as bad-tempered and just raring to be off again. Don't think she minded who with, so long as she could get away. 
Oh dear, this is hard work. My arm feels like it's dropping off. If you'd allow me to give you a hand. Oh, thanks, Mr Bunter. If you can provide me with a stiff brush, I'll try and get some of the other mud off with my knife. Uh, that's the ticket. It's coming off all right, isn't it? Yes. Notice there are two different kinds. Oh. This gravelly mud is quite different from the silver sand at the hem. I happen to have some little boxes here, and I'll put a sample of each kind of mud in them. Do you collect mud like you collect blood? That's right. Oh. Hello. Here's something on the other side. Apparently, Lady Mary tried to remove this stain with soap. Well, I never. So she has. And her making out she's too tired to raise her head from pillar. Oh, she's a sly one, I tell you. A real sly one. In that episode of Clouds of Witness, the parts were played as follows. Lord Peter Whimsey, Ian Carmichael, Bunter, Peter Jones, Inspector Parker, Gabriel Wolfe, Freddie Arbuthnot, Nigel Lambert, Pettigrew Robinson and Fleming, Bill Wallace. The Duchess of Denver, Betty Cardno, Mrs. Hardraw and Ellen, Miriam Margulies. Mudstains and Bloodstains was adapted by Peter Jones and Tanya Levin from the book Clouds of Witness by Dorothy L. Sayers. The programme was produced by Simon Brett. Nostalgic Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening.